Notre Dame football has won a grand total of 168 games in the past 20 years, and today I'm going to try and separate the best from the rest and reveal what I believe are the top five biggest wins during that time. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Friday, June 2nd, so happy Friday to each of you and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. As always, this show is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. but whether you're watching or listening, please take a moment to subscribe, like the video, rate, review, you know the deal. My name is Tyler Wojcik and I'm the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018 and I've been covering college football as a producer ever since. First for ESPN and now at the Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to do a little Flashback Friday edition of the pod, and I'm going to share what I think are the top five biggest wins by the Notre Dame football team in the past 20 years. So we're going all the way back to the 2003 season. Full disclosure, uh, I decided to do this because I was having the same debate in a group chat I'm in with some of my friends who I graduated with at Notre Dame, and I realized just how much I miss talking about actual games. Um, This is my 58th episode of doing the Lockdown Irish podcast, and even though there's plenty of stuff to talk about during the offseason, there's nothing like watching games and reacting to it. So I got a little bit of a taste of that today when I was going back on YouTube, watching highlights and reading up on some of these games. So let me preface this by saying this list is subjective. My list is probably not going to be the exact same as yours. The reason I only went back 20 years is because I'm 27 years old. And frankly, I don't want to argue with people about games that happened before I was in elementary school, let's say. So this is not an all-time wins list. But when we look at the recent history of the program, these are the games that really stand above the rest, in my opinion. And to give you an idea of how I came up with this, uh, the things I prioritized were the impact these games had on the season for Notre Dame, the magnitude of the matchup at the time it was played, and how well did it age. So it's not just about how big the game felt in the moment. It's about how that win stood the test of time. So, for example, Notre Dame's 38 to nothing, technically 31 nothing win over Michigan in 2014 was great in the moment. Uh, but then Michigan went on to finish 5-7, and seven, and Notre Dame collapsed in November. So when you look back on it, it's not as great from a historical perspective, and that's why it's not going to make the cut on my list. I also got dumped at halftime of that game, which was uh, unfortunate, I will say. Um, That certainly took away some of the fun from that experience for me personally, but that's another thing I took into consideration when I was making this. How fun was my experience, my personal experience, watching that game? Because obviously everyone's experience is going to be different, but that's another reason why this list is subjective. So when you guys comment, how could you leave this game off or how is this game so high? I'm literally telling you right now why the games are listed as they are. But enough context, let's get into the list. At number five, I've got Notre Dame's win over Michigan to kick off the 2018 season. Notre Dame won 24-17. Notre Dame was 12th at the time. Michigan was ranked 14th. And as I just said, it was a season opener. Notre Dame was coming off a solid year in 2017, a much-needed good season for Notre Dame because we all know how abysmal they were back in 2016. So going into the season, expectations are really high for both teams. And I don't know about you, but when during season openers, there's just a different level of tension because there's so much excitement, so much buildup, uh, tension over like th- throughout the nine months 
uh, of the college football offseason. So when they finally played each other, and this game had been talked about for so long, there was a lot of pent-up emotion from me and a lot of other fans, I'd imagine. College game day was at that game, and the stakes just felt really high for the rejuvenation of a rivalry that had been, uh, been dormant for a few years. I was at this game. It was actually uh, the first time being back on campus after I graduated, and it felt a little bit weird because I was actually staying in the house right next door to where I used to live. And uh, it was just an awesome experience all around. It was great. The tailgate was awesome. And Chris Fink's touchdown in that game when he mossed the two Michigan defenders in the end zone, that happened right in front of me. The crowd was electric for that one. They actually played on the Jumbotron a clip from a game during the Lou Holtz era when the crowd was actually given a delay of game penalty for being so loud. And they were encouraging fans to be as loud as they were in that moment. And let me tell you, man, it was one of the loudest moments I've ever experienced in inside Notre Dame Stadium. It was awesome. And if you remember that game, Notre Dame jumped out uh, to a 21-3 lead before the first half ended, and then the offense kind of stalled the rest of the way. And a big reason why is Michigan's defense that year was loaded. They had Devin Bush, Rashawn Gary, and Chase Winovich. So even though that Notre Dame went out to that early lead, Michigan was able to come back and cut it cut the deficit to just his touchdown, and they actually had the ball and were driving to tie the game late. They were at midfield with about 1 minute 48 seconds left, and then Jerry Tiller came up with a huge strip sack on Shea Patterson that was recovered by Tavon Coney, and that was all she wrote. That Michigan team had an awesome defense, as I just said, and that sort of carried them throughout the rest of the year. They won their next 10 games before they got absolutely carved up by Ohio State, but as I was saying, they they had a really solid season after that. And for Notre Dame, they went on to finish that season uh, undefeated in the regular season, despite some really unfortunate scares from Ball State and Vanderbilt in the two games that followed. But then Notre Dame made the quarterback change to Ian Book. We actually saw Book play a little bit during that game. and You started to get the sense that, wait, could Notre Dame potentially make a quarterback change? Well, they did. And then Ian Book became the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame school history. So that 2018 team was arguably the best Notre Dame team uh, of my lifetime, and this was their best win of the season. I know that they had a top 10 win later on in that year against Stanford, but Stanford ended up not being nearly as good as we thought they were when they played, and they ended up, I think they finished eight and four, which is why that game is not on the list, but this one is because both teams are really talented, and it was a great game and a great way to kick off the 2018 season. Okay, at number four, speaking of Stanford, I've got Notre Dame's win over Stanford in that memorable 2012 season. Notre Dame was ranked seventh at the time. Stanford was ranked 17th. Notre Dame won 20 to 13. And coming into that game, Notre Dame was 5 and 0 and Stanford was 4 and 1. Notre Dame had not started a season 6 and 0 since 2002, so basically a full decade had passed. And College Game Day was at this one, and it was the first really big game of that 2012 season for Notre Dame. And Stanford had pushed the Irish around for the past three seasons prior to that. They beat Notre Dame so bad in 2010, Brian Kelly's first season as head coach, that Kelly said after the game that Stanford was sort of the model. They were the type of program that he needed Notre Dame to get to if they wanted to get back to the top of college football. And this was a great test for the Irish to prove that over the course of Kelly's first three seasons, they had sort of built up to that point. And it was a very ugly game. It was raining for most of it, and there wasn't a whole lot of offense, to say the least. Stanford went up 13-10 to with six minutes left in the game. Notre Dame got the ball back and went on a 12-play, 79-yard drive that took up 5 minutes and 52 seconds of the remaining time in regulation. And then Kyle Brenza tied the game 
on a on a close field goal, but it was at a weird angle. So credit to Brinza. He came up big for the Irish several times during that 2012 season, especially during that USC game uh, at the end of the regular season. So they tie it. They go into overtime, and Tommy Reese had, had to come in for Everett Colson, who suffered a concussion towards the end of that game. Actually, during that drive that I was just talking about, he connected with Theo Riddick on this, like, Hail Mary wheel route out of the backfield uh, to Riddick, and he made a great play on third down. That set up a touchdown by TJ Jones to go up seven, and then the goal line stand. One for the books, too. Notre Dame stuffed Stanford on the goal line multiple times to clinch the game. I know that it went to replay, and their running back, I think his name was Taylor. He ended up sort of rolling his way into the end zone, but after the whistle had been blown and forward progress had been stopped for a couple of seconds by that point, Notre Dame's defensive line, they stood tall there. They go to the review, and everyone's like, oh, my God, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? I mean, half the crowd was on the field because they stormed it. It, The rain was gushing at that point. The refs say no good. He was stopped short of the goal line. Pandemonium ensues, and that moment is when you started to realize, okay, this season, this team is special. Like, it's not fluky anymore. It, it kind of felt like that in the 2002 season when Notre Dame started off so well because their offense that season was so abysmal. Um, I think the defense in 2002 outscored the offense for the first several games. But this was different, and uh, you started to realize that, wow, Notre Dame had, in the Brian Kelly era, they were finally getting to where they needed to be, and they had a statement win over Stanford. Like I said, a team that had dominated them the past three seasons. So that was an absolutely massive win for Notre Dame. It was fun as hell to watch, and uh, yeah, it was a great moment in a season full of them. But coming up next, I'll get to numbers three and two on my list, which includes my personal favorite Notre Dame win of my lifetime. Make a fast break to Fandle during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Personally, my favorite part about FanDuel is the instant payouts. It's such a smooth process, especially compared to some of the other sites out there. So if you haven't tried it out yet, trust me, you don't want to wait any longer. That's because there's no better place to bet all of the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks again for making Locked On Irish your first listen of the day. Now let's get back to my list of Notre Dame's top five biggest wins in the past 20 years. At number three, I've got Notre Dame's 49-14 win over USC during the 2017 season. This was a truly special night. Notre Dame was ranked 13th. USC was ranked 11th. I think Notre Dame was like three and a half point favorites, but this was a very big game, and it was an absolutely perfect day in South Bend. Like the rare day in October when the temps are like above 70, that basically never happens. But the vibes were outstanding from the very moment I woke up till I went to bed. Whatever time that was, it was probably pretty late because I was up all night celebrating an absolutely awesome win for the Fighting Irish. USC was 6-1 and one going into the game. Notre Dame was 5-1. and one. And even though Notre Dame was ranked 13th at the time, they were still trying to make up for going 4-8 and eight the previous season. And as if you remember which I'm sure you do. You're listening to this podcast. You're a diehard Notre Dame fan. Notre Dame lost that nail-biter to Georgia earlier in the season, but I don't think anyone realized in the moment just how good both of those teams were. I think in that game, Georgia was ranked 15th. Notre Dame was ranked 24th. It was a really close game. Neither offenses were looking that great, although you knew that Georgia had two really good running backs. But then you get to this game against USC, and Notre Dame was still at a point where they had, they'd climbed their way back up in the rankings, but this was their first real chance to make a statement since that Georgia game, and boy, did they make a statement in that one. They absolutely smacked USC from the very beginning 
Tavon Coney got a strip sack on future first-round pick Sam Darnold on the very first play from scrimmage. Darnold bobbled the snap. Coney came in. It was actually his first start. He was starting in place of Greer Martini, who got hurt in the game. Uh, I think it was actually the bye week. Um, anyway, he comes in, makes a play right away, and the offense took advantage on a 26-yard touchdown pass to Aquinemius St. Brown to go up 7 to nothing just two minutes into the game. And Notre Dame never took their foot off the gas. They were up 28 to nothing at halftime. And the entire second half was basically just like a prolonged celebration of beating their arch rival. Even though USC was ranked 11th and Notre Dame had beaten USC a few times uh, during the Brian Kelly era, they hadn't beaten a really good USC team yet. And I, and I know that in hindsight, it's easy to dismiss what USC was that season because of how badly Notre Dame beat them. But that USC team went on to win the Rose Bowl, and they only had two losses that regular season. So this was a very, very good win for Notre Dame at the time and then in the time afterward because I think USC showed that they were a solid team. And then even though that that Notre Dame season didn't end how they wanted, they had that bad loss to Miami um, and then Stanford as well to close out the year. But I still think this was a very important season for Notre Dame coming off that 2016 season. This is like Brian Kelly 2.0, and it really all came together on this night. And uh, at the same time, too, Georgia was proving just how good they were. So coming out of this game, Georgia's ranked third in the country. Notre Dame just smacked USC, and then all of a sudden you're starting to think, wait a second, could Notre Dame really contend for the playoff? Obviously that didn't happen. But still, it was clear that Notre Dame was back in the national discussion again. And we also realized just how good Notre Dame's offensive line was in this one. Wimbush could not throw. I think he only had nine completions, didn't even have 100 yards passing, but it didn't really matter because Notre Dame rushed for 377 yards. They had eight yards per carry in this one. Josh Adams was running all over him, and that was just so great to see, just to dominate your arch rival like that. It was such a fun game. It was my senior year. Definitely the most fun experience I had in the student section while I was a student at Notre Dame. And I think a lot of people in my class would have to agree with that. It was just an unbelievable night. And even though Notre Dame's uh, season didn't finish quite as strong as we had hoped, they still finished 11th in the AP poll. And it was just a truly incredible win. All right, speaking of incredible home wins, this brings us to number two. Notre Dame-Clemson 2020. Clemson was number one in the country, Notre Dame was ranked number four, and Notre Dame won 47-40 in double overtime. And admittedly, this was a weird one. Um, it was the, in the midst of the COVID season, so the vibe around everything was just like a little different. Trevor Lawrence, the best player between both teams, uh, was out because he got COVID that week. And college game day was there, but there obviously wasn't a live audience, and nobody from the general public was supposed to get in the game. Um, but as we know, some diehards found a way to get in. And that being said... It was still a top five matchup between two undefeated teams that involved the top ranked team in the country. And in a college football season, that was like I was saying, it was really weird. This was a night where the whole college football world was focused on one game and it was Notre Dame and it was Clemson and it was in Notre Dame stadium. And Notre Dame had certainly developed a warranted reputation for completely blowing it in big games and getting blown out by superior opponents on the first play of scrimmage though. Kyron Williams made it clear that this night was going to be different. He broke off a 65-yard touchdown on the first play of the game, and it was on after that. Clemson ended up coming back after going down 13 in the first half, and when Ian Book uh, fumbled the ball into the end zone right before the start of the fourth quarter, it made me feel like Notre Dame was just going to come up short again like they had done so many times in the past in these big spots, and that feeling was only heightened once Clemson went up with three and a half minutes left. They went up by a touchdown, and then Ian Book delivered 
Uh, they actually stalled on one drive, then they got the ball back, and then Ian Book found Avery Davis on that deep post route to set up a scoring opportunity to Avery Davis on that third and goal to send that game into overtime. And then the Notre Dame defense came up big in the second overtime. They got a couple sacks. They were all up in DJ Uyunglele's face on that drive. And even though Trevor Lawrence didn't play in that game, can we all agree that DJ Uyunglele was playing like a god in that? I think he set the record for most passing yards by an opponent inside Notre Dame Stadium. He was incredible. Now, we obviously learned what happened in the ACC championship game and that Trevor Lawrence does, in fact, make a difference. But still, I don't think it takes away that much from that game because it's really hard to beat any good team twice. And I think that this was such a statement win for Notre Dame because of that reputation that they had developed getting blown out so often in these games, and they finally came up huge and went toe-to-toe with a truly great team. This was Clemson, uh, I can't say at the peak of their powers because they didn't have Trevor Lawrence, but they were damn close to it, and it was just an unbelievable night. That season, that, that whole year was void of any happiness for, like, everyone, but on one night, you could kind of forget about all of that and just truly enjoy what was, in my opinion, maybe the most exhilarating game I've ever experienced, the highs and the lows of that game. Um, there were so many times where I thought Notre Dame was done and then they'd come back and then credit to Clemson, they kept swinging too. And it was just like a heavyweight fight that went down to the wire and Notre Dame came out on top. Both teams ended up in the college football playoffs. So these were two very talented teams and they both ended up losing in their semifinal games. But it was clear that they were of the four best teams in the country. And unfortunately for Notre Dame that season, they ran into Alabama who ended up being one of the best teams of my generation for sure. So I look back on this game with plenty of fond memories. I don't care what happened in the ACC championship game. This was a special night, and beating the number one ranked team in the country at home is worthy of celebration, and that is why it is number two on my list. All that being said, it's still not the best win Notre Dame has had in the past 20 years. That is coming up after this. All right, at number one on my list of Notre Dame's biggest wins in the past 20 years, I think you know where I'm going with this one. 2012, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, in Norman, the fifth-ranked Fighting Irish beat the Sooners 30-13, to and that was an unbelievable night uh, to be a part of the Notre Dame fan base. Notre Dame was off to a 7-0 start, but they were actually 10-point underdogs on the road against 5-1 Oklahoma. A lot of people in the media still doubted Notre Dame at that point because they had a bunch of close calls, and Oklahoma was practically unbeatable at home under Bob Soups. They had a 79-4 and record in Norman under Bob Soups going into that game. So Notre Dame was big underdogs. I think everyone thought that Oklahoma would just sort of make a statement and beat Notre Dame, and they sort of discredited a lot of what Notre Dame had done up to that point. But then Notre Dame came out, and they made a statement early. Uh, Everett Golson was playing uh, after he missed the game against BYU after he was recovering from the concussion that he suffered against Stanford. And Sierra Wood broke up the scoring. He had a huge touchdown run early in the game. But then, to be honest, there really wasn't a ton of action for the first three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, everything changed, and all hell broke loose, really. Oklahoma tied the game at 13 with nine minutes left to go, and they had all of the momentum. But then Everett Golson found a true freshman, Chris Brown, on a deep post that set up the go-ahead touchdown, and Notre Dame never looked back. They scored 17 unanswered points to win the game, 30-13. to 13. You know, Brent Musburger had the famous line, Notre Dame is relevant once again. Manti Teo clinched the game with an interception. He was everywhere in this game and all season long, like, it was just a storybook season up until they got to Miami, but I still don't think that 
the loss in the national championship takes away from this game because it was really as good as that win against Stanford was as a statement like, okay, Notre Dame is here. They're going to be competitive. This was when it became possible like, okay, Notre Dame could actually make the national championship now because even when they beat Stanford, you knew this game was coming. You knew that Notre Dame was going to have to go into Norman and beat Oklahoma, which is going to be a really difficult task. And then they did it and they did it in I don't want to say dominant fashion because it wasn't dominant from the beginning to the end, but in the fourth quarter, they imposed their will on Oklahoma and won that game decisively. They won by 17 points. And I think that night sort of erased any doubt that a lot of the you know regular Notre Dame haters would have about this team. They think I think they all had to realize that, wow, Notre Dame is actually, not only are they good, they're going to be fighting for a spot in the national championship here in the coming weeks, and that's exactly what they did. They ended up going to the national championship. They finished the regular season undefeated, 12-0, and and even though they got smoked in the national title game, that regular season was so special and one that I look back on so fondly because Notre Dame just hadn't been anywhere close to that in a really long time. And this win has sort of stood the test of time. You look back on it, it's still kind of incredible that they won in the fashion that they did. I remember that night I was in high school and there was a big party that someone from my high school was having and I skipped out skipped out on it to watch the game at home and I'm so glad I did watch it with my family. And it was just an awesome moment. Like I remember hearing about all these times that Notre Dame would play in games like this and they dominate for my dad and my uncle and my grandpa and Basically, it was all the glory days, and I had never really experienced anything like that for myself, and then that night, it changed, and I got to take that in, and it was a truly awesome game. I think it's the best win of the Brian Kelly era on the road. Doing it the way they did it uh, was just truly incredible, and even though, like I keep saying, the season ended poorly, there were so many great highs along the way, and this was the highest of them all, so that's my list. Now, some honorable mentions, and I'm sure I'm going to catch some flack for this one. I did not include the win against Clemson last season in 2022. Personally, I just feel like the stakes were not as high in this one because Notre Dame already had three losses going into that. They weren't even ranked at the time. And even though Clemson was a top five team during the time that game, they were clearly not a top five team in the country. It was still a very important win for Marcus Freeman, and I don't want to take away from the win. But if we're looking at the past 20 seasons and all the wins Notre Dame has had, I don't think this is in the top five. It was a great night, a very cool moment, but... Clemson ended up losing to South Carolina a couple weeks after that. They got dominated by Tennessee without their starting quarterback in the Orange Bowl. So Clemson was more like a top 15 team, and it was the best moment by far from last season, but I don't think it should be in this top five. Um, Another good one, the win against Michigan in 2005. Top five win on the road against a rival is obviously awesome. Put Notre Dame on the map uh, under Charlie Weiss, but then Notre Dame lost inexplicably, to Michigan State the very next week. And personally, I can't separate those two events. Like, that's one incredible high that was followed up with an awful low the week, the literally the week after that. So that's why that one's not in. I think a sleeper is that 2018 game against Virginia Tech. Um, it was a really fun night capped off by Dexter Williams' 98-yard touchdown run. Notre Dame had prepared for that game really all offseason long. They had been circling that one on the calendar because of what happened in Miami the year before when Notre Dame looked shell-shocked in a hostile environment, and they got smacked in a huge game. And there were some pretty high expectations for what Virginia Tech could do that season. But then I think that night it showed that Virginia Tech's football team was a little bit overrated, as was their perceived home field advantage. I get the intro. It's cool, the Enter Sandman thing. I get all of that. It's really cool that they've got that going for them. But then the game started. and I, Everyone I've talked to who was at that game 
said that they were disappointed in the environment at Lane Stadium. And look, I'm sure if there's a Virginia Tech fan listening to this, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? That's insane. Look, all I'm saying is Notre Dame went into Blacksburg, they dominated, and that was that. So that's why that game is not in there. But that's my list. I'll go through it again. At five, I've got the win over Michigan in 2018. At four, I've got the win over Stanford in 2012. Three, USC in 2017. Two, Clemson in 2020. And of course, number one, the win at Oklahoma in 2012. So that's my list. Let me know what you think in the comments or on social media. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some debate from this one, but that's my list and I'm sticking to it. But that'll do it for this episode of Locked On Irish. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. One quick programming note, now that it's June and we're in the thick of the offseason, this show will be moving to three episodes per week. Right now, the plan is to release a new episode every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday starting next week, and it will stay that way through the month of July. Once we get to August and closer to the start of the actual season, I'll go back to doing a daily episode. But before you go, remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and follow us across all of our social media channels, which you can find on Twitter at Locked On Irish, on Instagram at Locked On Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojak. That's at Tyler W O J C I A K. Enjoy the weekend, and I will see you next week.